Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Podcast. Today's sermon is entitled Day of Atonement, or otherwise known as Yom Kippur. Today, we study the Word of the Lord and learn how God takes care of His people. And with today's message, here's Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. We are, uh, we're, we're, we're living in a time uh, right now, the, the month of September and then October, some of October, we're living in a, in a series of time that is, uh, is just charged with what I call Bible history and Bible prophecy. And I'm not, I don't consider myself, I don't, I, I tell people a lot of times, I'm a 65 book preacher. I, I, I leave revelation to people that really know revelation. But I have I have done I have done some studies on the feast of the Lord and uh, I've taught them here in this church, and uh, it's an amazing thing the, the the day of atonement was Wednesday or what we call Yom Kippur was Wednesday, and even though we are grafted in and we're not of Jewish descent we're Gentile people, but we are the children of Abraham we really are. Because we are saved by faith through grace. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by faith. And, and so you have to have a faith in God. You have to have a confidence in God to believe that God is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I'm going I'm to teach today just for a little while because I think it's just germane. I think it's the right time to talk about it. We're going to talk about the day of atonement today. We're going to speak about that today. And, and uh, what's going to happen to these people that are being water baptized is this is going to be their day, their day of atonement. This is a day that their sins are going to be washed away. Amen. This is a day they're going to get a brand new life. This is a day they're going to have a brand new beginning. It's going to be an awesome day. I'm going to talk to you today on the day of atonement. And it is, if I use the Hebrew name, it would be Yom Kippur. So we're going to talk about that. Now, it's a study, but it's not boring, all right? We're going to talk about how the Lord takes care of his people on the Day of Atonement. Leviticus chapter 16 says, For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. And it shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and you shall afflict your souls by a statute forever. Everybody say, afflict your souls. All right, by a statute forever. My subject today is Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur. I'm speaking on it today. You may be seated. God bless your hearts today. The seven feasts of the Lord... uh, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and then, of course, Pentecost, and then the Feast of Trumpets, and, of course, then the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and then the Feast of Tabernacle. Seven feasts in the Bible are a blueprint, or God's blueprint, for the future. It was as if God was creating a move of His self in the lives of people. The Word of God says these are feasts of the Lord, which means they belong to all people. And to all generations, not just the Jewish people, not just the Hebrew people. Of course, the long interval, the long space between the Feast of Pentecost, which is a summer feast, and the Feast of Trumpets, celebrated earlier this month, represents the dispensation of what we call grace. 
the grace of God is being extended from Pentecost to the Feast of Trumpets because the Feast of Trumpets celebrates the beginning of a new year. Grace for a time known only to God. The Feast of Atonement or the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur has three messages and here they are. Number one, the message of sin forgiven through the blood atonement. Has anybody here had their sins forgiven by the blood of the Lamb? Would you raise your hand? Isn't that an awesome thing? It's an awesome thing to be forgiven by an almighty God. The second is the message of repentance. That's a very important message today. And the third is the message of what we call fasting and prayer. I'm going to talk about it. In this text, to afflict your soul simply means it's a terminology for fasting. I tell you what, when I fast, my soul is afflicted. When I fast bluebell, my soul is afflicted. Amen. Some people say, well, pastor, I fast. I fast TV. Well, that's good. That's a good fast. Because you, David said, I'll set no evil before my eye. I trust you're fasting the things that will drag you down and not the things that will pick you up. But when I fast, I want everybody in the world to know that I am hurting right now. And that's not even biblical. I'm supposed to go, I'm supposed to go in my closet. I'm not supposed to worry about it, wash my face and come out and smile. But it's hard to do that when I'm fasting because I'm afflicted. I, when I found this word, I thought, boy, that's a great word because my soul is afflicted when I'm fasting. But I want to talk about it. The message of sin forgiven and blood atonement is the first terminology of what we call this Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. The message of sin forgiven and blood atonement. On this special day in Israel, the high priest would bring a bull and two goats as a special sin offering before the altar. First, the bull was sacrificed to purge the temple of any sin committed by the priest or any in his house. So it was a bull for a preacher. So it is imperative that those who preach the gospel should practice the gospel. It's imperative because God demands purity. God demands right living. God demands wholesome lives in the ministry. We are Preaching behind pulpits, it got its name from we pull people from the pit. So we preach behind pulpits. And if a man of God is not judged by God and sanctioned by God to do that, then there's nothing that happens positive in the kingdom of God. A priest and ministry were liable for what we call double judgment. We must make sure before they went to the pulpit that they're free from sin. So the high priest had bells. On the, on, the, on the phylacteries and on the ends of his, the borders of his robe, the hem of his robe. And all of the other feasts, all the priest had to do was wash their hands before the feast. But on the, on the day of atonement, he had to wash his whole body. Because God wanted purity. God wanted a man to be clean. He wanted a man to be washed on the outside. And he wanted a man to be whole on the inside. And then he put on a robe that had a golden bells and pomegranates on the borders of the hem. So if he went before the Lord in the Holy of Holies with sin in his life, he would die. Why the bells? If the Levites who could not go in with that priest could not hear the ringing of the bells in the holy place while the high priest was moving around, then they would drag his corpse out with a rope that had been tied around his ankle or around his waist. What is the message here? The message is that God requires purity and inner holiness in his church and in his leadership. I want to set the record right now that 
the men that have worked in this congregation, the men that have labored to build the church of Christian life in this in this uh, a quarter of a decade, a quarter of a century that we've worked together, have been clean men, have been pure men, have been wonderful men. I thank God that our music, our music is pure. I thank God that our Sunday school classes are pure. I thank God that we have pure leadership in our staff. I thank God that God has kept me with Patty and Patty with me because I want to be a man that is right in the sight of God. I don't want to preach a gospel and have a dead gospel go out. I want the gospel to be alive in this hour and this time. Amen. Thank God for right living. It's important. Our Bible is a holy Bible. Jesus was called the holy child. The city where we'll spend eternity is called the holy city. Our faith is called most holy faith. The songs we sing in heaven is holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now after the priest killed the bull for the sins of him and his family, then the two goats were brought to the altar for sacrifice. One goat was sacrificed. One goat was killed on the spot to purge the temple of sins committed by the people of Israel. It's not in your notes. It's not on the screen, but it says in Leviticus 16, Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And then the blood was poured into a bowl and the priest placed his thumb and his forefinger in the bowl and then he took his hand and put it on the head of the second goat, not the one that had died, but the second goat. And the second goat then was called the scapegoat. That's where you get the word scapegoat. And the scapegoat was carried into the wilderness by a man, not with a name, but simply known as the fit man, F-I-T. He must have had to be fit because he carried the goat so far away, he had to be fit enough to get back to the, to the tabernacle of God. Two goats, one killed on the spot, the second one led into the wilderness to die. And Jesus fulfilled both of these roles because first he was killed at Calvary. And Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And I love this. And with his stripes, we are healed. Amen. I want to tell you today, Jesus not only died for us on the cross, he became our scapegoat. He carried our sins away. The Bible said in Isaiah chapter 53, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows away. He is talking about our sins being placed on the head of Jesus and him carrying our sins away. Aren't you glad? That he said, I have removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. He didn't say north and south because north and south have poles. But east and west are infinity. He removed your sins infinity from you. Somebody ought to get happy because Jesus died on a cross. And not only died on a cross, he then took our sins far away from us. So that we would not have to face them every day that we live. Somebody say hallelujah to that. Now the rabbinical scholars say that during the ceremony with the two goats. That a crimson sash. I should have brought one. Was attached to the door of the temple. Everybody say a red sash. Was attached to the door of the temple. 
A crimson sash, blood red, was attached also to the horn of the scapegoat, which was led into the wilderness to die. And they put that goat in a position, in a place where he would not live long with no water and with no food. And when the goat died in the wilderness, please don't fall out with me now, but listen. When the goat died in the wilderness, the crimson sash that was on the door of the temple turned white. Now, it was a message to Israel that the scapegoat is no longer holding your sins against you. Your sins have been forgiven. Also, in researching the rabbinical law of the Jews, 40 years after the, uh, before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD by, uh, by the ruler from Rome, 40 years before the crimson sash stopped turning white. You know why? Because 40 years before the destruction of the temple, Jesus Christ died on Mount Calvary. And God's message to the Jews and to the whole world was that you're no longer saved by rams and goats and turtle doves and bulls, but you're saved by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And Jesus died once and for all. I was redeemed at the cross. You were redeemed at the cross by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus in my life. This is what Yom Kippur is. And though your sins be as scarlet, Isaiah said in 1 and 18, crimson, they shall be white as snow. He was referring to the crimson sash on the door of the temple because your sins would be ever removed from you. Hear this, Pastor. Whatever your past, whatever your yesterday is, whatever the yesterday of these people that's going to go down in water and water baptism today, whatever their past is, when they are identified with him according to Romans chapter 6, they are buried with him in baptism and they arise to walk in the newness of life. Hear me. The reason we celebrate is when they go down, they go down a dead man. And when they come up, they come up a living man. Amen. That's why we celebrate all their sins, all their transgressions, all their iniquities, all their yesterdays are buried in the water as they identify with the burial of Jesus Christ. And he came out of the grave victorious and they'll come out of the water victorious today because their sins will be washed away. Can you get excited about that this morning? That's pretty thrilling to me. That's pretty exciting to me. That's pretty exciting. The word atonement means to cover. Everybody say to cover. Atonement means to cover. The same Hebrew word is used for atonement is the same word that Noah used when he covered the ark with pitch within and without. It was a covering. The pitch, the covering that Noah put on the ark was atonement. Atonement. Because the pitch was the substance that came between Noah 
and his family and the judgment waters just outside the ark. So it is with the blood of Jesus. You hear me. When the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, God told them, told Moses to tell them to slay a lamb. You remember? And put the blood of that lamb on the lentil and on the doorpost. And he said, I'm going to allow my angel, my death angel to come by at midnight. And where the blood is applied, I will pass over that home. That's where we get the word Passover. But if the blood is not applied, the firstborn of the family and the firstborn of the animals and the firstborn of everything you have will die. Here's what I want to tell you. The blood of a lamb stopped God's angel from performing a death act on the people that had been covered by the blood. How much more powerful do you think the blood of Jesus is? The Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Not a four-footed lamb, but a two-footed lamb that came to take away our sins. Do you think hell can walk through the blood and just have dominion in your life? I say no, a thousand times no. That's why water baptism is so powerful. Because the blood of Jesus is going to be on their life. They're going to come out of that water a brand new man covered by the blood of the Lamb of Almighty God. That's awesome to me. That's awesome to me. That's awesome to me. I just love it. Consider the power of the blood. Consider it. First, at communion in Matthew 26, 28, his blood was shed for remission of sins. Say remission of sins. I've just talked about that. Secondly, in John 6 and 54 and 56, his blood gives us eternal life. Anybody looking for a little eternal life in your life? You need the blood of Jesus on your life. Thirdly, the blood is the basis of forgiveness. When you're washed, Colossians 1 and 14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. When you are washed in the blood of the Lamb, your sins are forgiven. And number four, his blood makes us overcomers. Everybody say an overcomer. Revelation 12 and 11 said, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. They overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word. That word is singular, uh, testimony. The singular most powerful word in all the world is the name Jesus. When you say, I claim Jesus and I have the blood of the Lamb in my life, Hell has got to turn around and make a 180 and leave you alone because there's nothing more powerful in the name of Jesus and nothing stronger than the blood of Jesus. That's why we water baptize today. That's why we immerse people today because we want people to be covered by and claimed by the name of the Lord Jesus in their life. Are you with me right now? It's important to understand that. Lord, I'm preaching. I'm preaching right now. The second message of the Feast of Atonement is repentance. Now listen to me. Repentance is not meant to condemn you. Really not. It's not meant to condemn you. Most people hear the word repentance and they say, oh, you're trying to make me feel unworthy, preacher. No, I'm not. No, listen. You don't understand repentance. Repentance is not designed to fill you with false guilt. Listen real close. Repentance is to restore you. Repentance is to restore you, to elevate you to your highest possible relationship with God. That's what repentance does. Look at the word repentance, R-E, re. 
to return, to go back where you came from. Pent, as in highest, as in the penthouse or pinnacle, the highest point. So when you put the two together, it means to return and go back to your highest point of relationship with Almighty God. Where was that? It was in the Garden of Eden. Amen? A place of heaven on earth where God had communion with Adam and Eve and they had communion with God. What Adam and Eve had in Genesis 1, we're going to have when the king sets up his throne and we start worshiping him. Adam and Eve did not get kicked out of the garden because they sinned. They got kicked out of the garden because they did not repent. Adam faced trouble like a man. He blamed it on his wife. If Adam and Eve had said, we have sinned, they could have stayed in the garden. Eve blamed it on the serpent. So you see, rationalization, excuses or explanations for your sin is Satan's substitute for repentance for sin. Don't throw away heaven on earth because you refuse to repent. God wants you to have a pinnacle, the highest point of relationship with him. And it comes when you say, I'm sorry, God, forgive me of my sins. And that's what they're going to do back there. That's what happens on the day of atonement. I don't know. I don't know how to say this to y'all because you're going to think I'm just the worst sinner in the world. But I get up every morning repenting. You repent every day? I repent every day. Why? Because there's things I think. There's things I want to say. There's things that come into my mind. Amen. There's things that, you know, I just think that a word that I heard an old cuss man say, an old cursor say one time, that'd be a good word right now for me to say. And I have to get up in the morning and say, God, forgive me. I go to bed at night saying, God, forgive me. That word crossed my mind. I'm sorry today, Lord. I forgive, forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry to be so real with you, but repentance is not anything but glorious in my world because it restores me back to the place that I can be in God. I can't help if a bird flies over my head, but I don't let it build a nest in my ball spot up there. Come on, folks. It's all right. I remember one Sunday morning several years ago when I just called the church to corporate repentance. There's nothing wrong with repenting. And we just fell down on our knees and started saying, God, forgive us, wash us, cleanse us. When we got up, people were crying, people were weeping, and everybody in the house wanted to hug everybody in the house because everybody loves everybody when you repent. It's time to throw away your old, your old ideologies. It's time to throw away the fact that this altar has to be a place where people say, what's wrong with him? You need to be able to walk to this altar, fall on your knees, and repent to God for anything you have done in your life. He is able to forgive you. Wow. Wow. The third message, and I close, of the Feast of the Atonement, of the Day of Atonement, is fasting and prayer. This is not easy to teach because I like Bluebell too much. In the text, afflicts your soul means fasting and prayer. The text says, by a statute forever. That means, they're getting excited back there, aren't they? <laughs> Hello, I love y'all. I'm preaching, thank you. I love them. It will never be out of style to fast and pray. Never. Look at Matthew 6. 
The Lord said, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. Look at Matthew 6, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast. Jesus fasted 40 days in one occasion. I've never done that. Moses fasted 40 days. Daniel fasted 21. I've never done that. Elijah fasted 40. Never done that. The entire nation of Israel fasted for three days. I've done that and nights. For deliverance from an Old Testament Hitler by the name of Haman, who had plotted to have the Jewish people murdered on a certain day. Had Haman been successful, there would have never been Bethlehem's manger. Esther became the queen of Persia, which is modern-day Iran. Mordecai was elevated to prime minister. Millions of Jewish people were spared and a nation was saved by fasting and prayer and a beautiful woman named Esther who came to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's important to understand, folks, that the Day of Atonement not only shows us the beautiful blood of the Lamb, the beautiful scapegoat ministry of Jesus Christ, It not only shows us the beautiful remission of sins in our life, but it also shows us that we need to afflict our souls and understand that this is still a walk of grace in our life. Amen? And almost 150 years ago, Abraham Lincoln made a proclamation to have a national day of fasting and prayer. Thank you, Mr. Lincoln. He said in the proclamation that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Lincoln said genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and it has. It has, and today we have a great nation because a president dared to call for fasting and for prayer for our country. Our nation, our state, our city, our church still needs repentance and still needs fasting and prayer to keep the hand of God in our life. Amen? Amen. Clap your hands all over the house. That's good stuff. I close Second Chronicles chapter 7. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You may be sitting here today and you may be, Lord, they're happy. They must have had church back there. You may be sitting here today and say, you know what, Pastor? I'd like to have a day of atonement in my life. If you don't want to come and stand with these people today or the second service, that's all right. I'll meet you here tomorrow because I'd like to see you water baptized. I'd like to see you immersed and identify with Jesus Christ in baptism. I'd love to see that. And it's important, it's really important that you understand that the day of atonement is still alive today. And God Almighty still wants you to come and receive his blood, and receive his forgiveness, his pardon, and understand that nothing in the world can save you but the blood in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands all over the house. That's good. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.